This is The Business Machine. We talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. These inspirational leaders share with us some of the tools they use to run their machines and talk about some of the mistakes they made along the way and what they learned. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines, create a great team, and put tools in place so that eventually our machines will run themselves. So get ready. Up next, the business machines firing up. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Business Machine. I'm Brian Town, CEO of Michigan Creative and host, obviously, of the podcast, The Business Machine. Glad you guys could join us today. I'm really excited about our next guest because it's exactly why we started our podcast. You know, we talk about mistakes on, on the podcast a little bit, not the whole time, but we always say that we've learned so much from the mistakes that we made and we're okay with failure. I mean, we're okay with it. <laughs> we're not we're not big fans of it, but we're okay with it. But I'm really excited to talk to Andrea because Andrea talks about that and being okay with no and so much more. So I'll let her explain it. But Andrea Waltz is a keynote speaker, author of the best-selling book, Go For No, and owner of Courage the cat and based in Orlando, Florida. Good morning, Andrea. How are you? Hey, Brian. Good to be with you. So tell me a little bit. Somebody comes up to you in Orlando and you go get some coffee and then you guys start talking and they say, what do you do? What do you say? I uh, basically say I'm a writer and also a professional speaker uh, talking and teaching people how to overcome fear of failure, rejection, and the word no. So tell us about that. Now, I guess on a why are, why is everybody afraid of that? Because there's two sides of this, and I want to talk a little bit about saying no, and a little bit later, because that's a hard thing for us as a mm, as a mm-hmm. company. Um, and I wonder if that ties into a little bit about what we think people might feel about that. But why are we so afraid of that? Why why does that? What happens when we hear that? Yeah, it's uh, biological programming for one thing. I mean, you just want people to um, you want people to like you, and you you really are wired not to be rejected, right? We don't want to get thrown out of the tribe, so to speak. So rejection is kind of a bad thing, and then it layered into that is just the whole idea of being perfect, not wanting to be judged, and so a lot of people fear that. Um, that no or that rejection as a failure. And so we we get really protective of that. And what happens, though, is the more you protect yourself and avoid rejection, um, then the safer you play it, well, you lose out on a lot of opportunities. And pretty soon, like they always say about your comfort zone, it starts to shrink around you rather than expand. And we all know that business owners need to have an ever-increasing and expanding comfort zone. So that's really the challenge is to uh, kind of reprogram the way you think about failure and rejection instead of that default, which is, oh, gosh, I don't want to fail and I don't want to be rejected. Yeah. And I think for business specifically, you know, sometimes people might say, well, you know what, we're not really qualified for that. And last time somebody said no to us, so I don't even think we're going to go for that opportunity. And that could happen and that could compound pretty quickly, I would think. Absolutely. And that's exactly what we teach people to avoid doing, right? You start prejudging and making assumptions about what somebody's going to do or what they're going to say or what a company's budget is. And so you just kind of shrink back and you don't go for it. Go for no. The entire message is, hey, go for that no. If if you're going to get a no, just go for it. See what happens. Yeah. And then if you get a yes, you're like, oh, wow. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I take things, I take things really personally and we're only about five years old here and I'm getting better at, at rejection, especially when we're doing those stupid RFPs because those are a very long process and, um, we don't get a lot of them and it's really, if you only know somebody that you get them, but I know sometimes when 
um, what drives me crazy is that when people don't get back to you and they don't, um, they don't really follow up, but you're just assuming that they're not going to go with you. And then that, I really take that as well. They don't really like me as a CEO and they don't like our work and they don't like our staff. And I, at times, and I still do it, I get pretty down about that. No. Yeah, that's easy to do. And um, again, I mean, so many people take it personally. And, and so that's why we say, you know, you've got to in- increase your activity, be out there, um, you know, do those proposals, have those meetings, because a lot of times the more you're out there, the more your activity, yeah. uh, the, the more you just build that courage muscle. That courage muscle. I've never heard that. I like that. I need to build that up. We all do. <laughs> it's a never ending process. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Give us your origin story. How'd you how'd you come to this this business, and then and why did you feel that this is what you needed to do, and you were the best person to do it? Well, I fell in love with the idea of Go for No because my now husband um, was the one who taught it to me uh, about seventeen years ago, and he he had kind of a Go for No story. He he learned the message working at a menswear store where his um, one of his uh, mentors, a district manager, saw him have this great sale, and then decided to challenge him and um, challenge my husband Richard. And he said, you know, Richard, I watched you sell; it was a great sale. But out of curiosity, what did that customer say no to? And Rich said, huh. well, it was a great sale. What are you talking about? And the guy said, yeah, I, I know it was, but what did he say no to? And he said, and Richard replied back, well, he's, he bought everything I showed him. And, he, and then he said, well, then how did you know he was done? And um, <laughs> so he really learned a powerful lesson that day. And, and Harold, this, this man, said, you know, I watched you sell. You're not half bad, but your fear of the word no is going to kill you. If you could get over that, you know, you could be one of the great ones. And, and that particular story, and we, we actually tell it um, live on stage to audiences and it's, sure. it's, it's actually much more nuanced and much longer. Um, but that's the essence of it. And when Richard shared that story with me, when we were working in our corporate jobs together, that's where we met. I said, oh, my God, I love this message. This is amazing. We eventually decided we wanted to leave our corporate jobs and and share our sales, customer service, and management philosophies. Um, So our goal was to go out and and speak for um, retail organizations, uh, kind of the big retailers, anybody that you'd find in the mall. And the message of all the things that we would teach these people, the one message that everybody loved was go for no. And so eventually we recrafted our business in 2000. 2007, and this is all we talk about. All, this is this just this one singular message. Yeah, and it really fine tunes exactly what everybody knows once they see that exactly what that means. I mean, it was pretty easy to pick up, and so I really like that you guys really fine tune that message. It's interesting to me that that story started there because in retail, I guess I don't know why it is, but I, I think of sales as bigger than that. But really, everybody everywhere is a salesperson, correct? Absolutely, and. Um, we talk about that even in in the book is, you know, you're selling ideas, you're mm-hmm. selling people on, um, you know, fundraisers. And it's it's been an interesting journey over the 15 years that we've been in business for ourselves and really focusing on go for no for the last eight or nine is uh, all of the nuances. And we've really had an opportunity to dig deep into this topic and to find that there's so many um, nooks, crannies and nuances and everybody ends up needing it. We get emails from people in almost every business and industry, uh, you know, that they say, I I need this 
because it, it, here's a weird here's a weird one for you. I mean, even in in um, the UK, there's uh, people who are trying to create change in the healthcare environment over there, um, and they talk about go for no because their whole their whole um, strategy is to be sharing new ideas and approaches, and they have to go back to the government and different people and bureaucrats over and over and over again, and so they realize we need to have you know that persistence. Oh yeah, because they're going to get no's all the time. Absolutely. Huh, that's fascinating. Give us, uh, let's say, we have a pitch later today um, here at our company, but somebody listening out there is thinking about pitching somebody or thinking about going to a sales, just give us a couple things. What, what's a good mindset and how do we go into that meeting and how do we make sure that a little bit of our fear of no is, is gone? Mm, that's such a great question. Um, probably my favorite question. The first thing is really to go in with uh, uh, not having a super attachment to the outcome. And I know that there's a lot of deals that people want and they, yeah, that's, and that's hard to do. Cause you're like, man, this is a, you know, even if for us, you know, if it's a $10,000 or 20,000 or whatever, it's like, that's a, that's a big deal. That's a month of payroll. Absolutely. And so you do want it. The irony though, is the more desperate you look, the more um, <laughs> pressure filled, yeah, yeah. right? The, um, the, okay, we're, we got to, um, it, it's kind of that, that, um, sleazy, aggressive salesperson that everybody hates. You know, you, yeah. you go to the car dealership and it's like, what do I have to do to get you in this car? And it's like, well, gee, I don't know. And it's like, we're going to do whatever it takes. Um, that's the thing that all salespeople hate about salespeople, right? It's like, I don't want to be that person. Um, so it's really the opposite. It's kind of to, to physically and even emotionally hang back and um, do your best to be an advocate for the client, for the customer, and helping them make their decision. And to understand that if you get a no this time, um, it's, it may not necessarily be a no uh, forever. Um, you may get to work with them in the future. It doesn't mean that's forever. And so the more desperate that you come across, the more people really just pull back from that because yeah. they think, you know, they're, it's, it's, they're not attractive. So that's the, um, that's the number one piece of advice. And I think, you know, one of the things that a lot of business owners, they get pitched a lot, um, you know, especially the larger they get, they get pitched a lot. And it seems like everybody has the same message is like, we're the best and here's why and you should really go with us and this is the best place for it. And I think that gets old pretty quick. Yes, absolutely. And when you approach something with kind of a, um, hey, it's not it's not me pitching you, it's us kind of standing side by side, right. looking at this process together and figuring out what's best. People really feel that and they, they, they get that quickly. And it's not about getting the yes, it's about helping you come to the, the best conclusion for you. Um, yeah, it goes a long way. I can, I, I can just, I mean, I can just picture that that feeling of being okay if they don't go with you just really takes a lot of weight off your shoulders. It does. And um, that's what we tell people. It's kind of an interesting phenomenon. When people get into action and they start using the mindset and they do detach from the outcome, they're not so emotional about, um, hey, I need this yes and I'm going to get this yes at whatever cost. Um, they actually, their confidence increases and their stress goes down. And many times we hear later that people say, um, people will end up coming back to me or people will end up it, it's it's interesting because they don't feel that pressure so they think i i'm just going to say yes to this person because the person's not pressuring me to they you know they they <laughs> yeah, want to yeah. know that they made the decision they weren't somehow manipulated into it I, I'm going to get this book and I'm going to use it um, on my wife so that I can ask questions and because she always tells me I can't do things so 
I'm going to go in there and be like, hey, I already know how to do this. It's okay. Exactly. <laughs> so she's listening to this. I'm in trouble already. But my two-year-old, too, she says no a lot. So maybe that'll work on her. Oh, yeah. Well, and kids are the greatest go-for-knowers um, oh, gosh, of yeah. all, right? Yeah. yeah they, they, um, we always joke in our presentations that, you know, the kid who asked their um, parent for a cookie in the grocery store, and when they get told no the first time, they don't think, oh, wow, I'm not going to get a cookie. They think, all right, I just have to be a little more creative and work a little harder at getting this cookie today. Sure. Yeah, they don't even hear the no. No, they don't hear the no. It's good <laughs> that they know it's going to happen. Yeah, that's interesting. Give me, give me another. I, I love the suit story. Give me another one, one of your favorite go for no stories. Wow. Well, you know, one of my um, favorites is uh, just the idea of um, uh, of asking and, and not assuming um, anything about what people are going to decide, what they're going to do, what they're going to say. Um, one time we got a letter from a, um, I say kid, because I think he was maybe high school age, maybe college age, and it was hysterical. He worked at this, um, uh, I think it was in Louisiana, worked at this little shop that sold um, products like tennis um, gear and things like that. He worked at like a little pro shop at yeah. this club, at this health club. And he said he was in the store, he read Go For No, and he they had so many things that had been sitting in this little shop. You can imagine you, these little pro shops don't get a lot of traffic and sure. they They're just, just sat there, there for- to, to be there. He, Exactly. And yeah. it's, it's all this stuff has sat there for years and years. So he kind of he said he, he wrote a long letter, cleaned it all up. And he said everybody who came in, I mean, he was offering them and suggesting everything in the store. He said, I just I was going for no at every possible wow. opportunity multiple times. And he said, I literally sold out of virtually everything in the store, everything, things that had sat there for years and years that were still, you know, good products, nothing wrong with them, just had sat there he said he got rid of all of it and uh that's cool <laughs> I, it was it was a lot of fun and i thought this kid no matter what he does yeah. will have this and be able to apply that in any area yeah watch out i'm gonna hire him as a salesperson right exactly. <laughs> so andrew we talk about 10 years here 2026 that would be i guess and we always look out 10 years in our business and we don't have a perfect vision we don't have a aligned business plan for 2026 but it's cool to think about where is Go For No going to be in 10 years? Well, I hope that we hit the million copy mark, Brian, because that's kind of our, our main, that's my main um, vision. Because what that means is that um, we've been able to bring this to a million people and, and change, hopefully change a million minds. And I, I think that um, there's probably no worse thing than not pursuing your goals or dreams for fear of failure or fear of rejection. It, right. it makes me, yeah, it's terribly sad. So um, we're at about the 350,000 mark in terms of books out there now. And that's taken, we published in 2000. So uh, that's taken 16 years. I'm hoping we can do the seven, the, the 700 or 650,000 in the next 10. I think you can for sure. I think so. I think so. But for me, it's, it's a matter of getting it done. Um, and and I, I'm patient. So as long as it takes. Hi, everybody. Brian here real quick. This episode of The Business Machine is sponsored by the one and only Michigan Creative. That's right. Michigan Creative sponsors this Business Machine podcast for now. So if you have other sponsors that would be willing to sponsor our little 
Business Machine Podcast. It's a great resource for business owners across the globe. And this one is sponsored by us here at Michigan Creative. Michigan Creative is a full-service marketing and design firm in Lansing, Michigan. We provide mobile-friendly websites, digital marketing, video production, branding, graphic design, and much, much more. So we'd love to work with you uh, wherever you are, and we really just want to talk to you. So if you want to just talk to us here at Michigan Creative, you can call me. My cell phone is 517-899-4533, or just visit michigancreative.com. All right, back to the show. So we always like to flip the switch here a little bit and put the pressure on you. Um, but we talk about the business machine, but what really what we mean is I think us as CEOs and owners of a business, you know, we're kind of that machine that keeps everything running. And how do you make sure that you're always going for no? Cause you can't all the time. I mean, you've got to have some, but, um, and how do you make sure that that machine and your business is running when you're not there making it run hundred percent of the time? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, the interesting thing is, is that uh, I, I, I think it was a, bi- a bigger issue a few years ago. And today with technology and automation, yeah. I'm able to automate a lot of things, you know, great. especially um, with this concept, a big part of our marketing strategy, digital marketing, as it were, is, um, you know, getting that content out there. So whether it's a blog post or something on Instagram or tweeting or Facebooking and, and sure. sending emails. Yeah, I mean, you can and I do um, really schedule that and get that all set up away in advance. So that has made it really easy. It, 10 years ago, um, yeah, when we weren't working our business and we weren't making calls and we weren't doing things, yeah, things would just die and they would die quickly. Mm-hmm. Now it's easier to get those things scheduled. Yeah. And I think you guys are just doing a great job. And, um, you know, even here it is 2016, people are really not, not everyone is using video like they should, but you guys are really using video how you should with YouTube and on all your social media channels. So I just think that's a really, and it's not that hard to do. I mean, you're basically sitting in front of a camera and talking, which you're great at. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. it's um, you have to. Exp- I think you have to use every medium that people want to learn in, right? Sure. Um, so writing and and the visual um, graphics, and then of course video. Yeah. All right. So put you on the spot one more time. Well, not one more time. A couple more times. What was your biggest mistake in running your company? And what was one thing, or what's a couple of things you could tell somebody? Hey, don't do this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, you, you have to start laughing when you think about oh, your biggest mistake, right? Because because comedy is tragedy plus time. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, biggest mistake is that um, Richard and I are at our hearts and our core of our being, even though we, we do speak a lot, are writers. And um, r- right now we're writing a long running fictional um, paranormal suspense series. It's really? kind of our... Yeah, Together? Um, yeah, together. Exactly. That's cool. Good. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, kind of our exciting. side, kind of our side project It is yeah. very, we love it. Yeah. Um, but a, a few years ago we had, and we've also written some screenplays. So a few years ago we had a screenplay, um, that had to do with Abraham Lincoln coming back. Um, and it, long story short, we decided, you know what, let's dust this thing off and turn it into a book. And it was just a, it was a great, fun, creative project. But what happened was it kind of morphed into, I guess, what we thought, because we are business people, we, we kind of trying to, tried to turn this creative project into kind of a business. And then after doing that for, 
oh, probably about a year, we realized that there was really nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It we, takes we a while to figure that out, doesn't it? You don't want to yeah. let it go. Yeah, yeah. We realized that there was um, <laughs> there was nothing um, that there was no there there. There was no kind <laughs> yeah. of back end. Yeah, I get it. Um, and so as a result, uh, we just kind of, and the book didn't sell even as creative and wonderful as the idea was that piece was kind of a disaster. <laughs> um, and so the whole thing was a big mistake and it wasn't even a big mistake that the book didn't sell because our, our belief is that when you, especially for writers, if you write something and, and you enjoyed the journey and the process, then it's, it's just a win. Sure. Um, the problem was, is that at, when we got down to it, we said, what, what is the, do we have the end in mind? What is this whole thing supposed to look like? And we said, no, we really don't. We have no idea where we're, where we're going. What we're, um, and we're, and the funny thing, Brian, is we're so much smarter than that. I mean, we are so much smarter than that. Until allow that to happen was really frustrating because we knew better. Um, yeah, and you almost and don't so, want to tell anybody because you're like, wait, you're not supposed to do that. Right. You're supposed to catch and, that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I and, know. And, and if, if somebody else had come to us with exactly the same plan and everything, we would have asked two or three yeah, really like, specific questions. What and, are you and, thinking? Yeah, yeah right. and, and been able to show them the major error in their ways. Oh, that's so, so funny. So true, but so funny. So funny. So, yeah, I would say the, the biggest mistakes, I think, have always had to do with not understanding what the back end and, you know, you're, if you're going to create something, what is the final? What is the final end? What do you expect to happen? Are you building a business? Um, where does this go? And I think a lot of times people have this um, vision. They want to do something, but they don't know what it looks like in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in education, you know, I was a teacher for a long time and I teach teachers now and, and we talk about backwards design and, and it's exactly that. What is the end result? And so work back from there. What do you want your students to have by the time that you're finished with whatever you're doing? What should they be able to do or, or learn and know and be able to act on? So then you start with that end and how are you going to get them to that point? So it's very similar to always think about, all right, you know, and I think entrepreneurs have this, you know, shiny object thing is, is we always say, oh, this would be a cool thing to do, or this would be a good thing. And I, I had to put in place Melissa, who runs our company and is our CEO, because she says no to me <laughs> a lot. It's like, <laughs> no, we're not going to do that one. And so um, I get away with some of them. But I think that's, you know, we see these and we forget to focus on what really matters, which is the business at heart. Absolutely. And it's easy to do. And sometimes you need that person to point out and ask the important questions. The unfortunate part was Richard and I relied on each other and neither yeah, right. one of us did it. <laughs> yeah, you're on your own worst. Oh, no, it's great, honey. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> right. What about you personally? What do you have to work on? What's one of your faults that you always have to keep yourself in check on? Uh, constant fault is my um, enjoyment and love of multitasking. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I was, and it was kind of funny because I was calling our. Um, phone company to even to, to set up voicemail so that I could make sure that I was able to check voicemail from the road. I was having trouble logging in. And even I'm even as I'm on the phone with the guy, I am reading something on my computer. Yeah, and it's all terrible. of a sudden Yeah, and all of a sudden I realized we're sitting there in silence and I said, Oh, did you just ask me something? I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> yeah. multitasking and he thought it was hysterical. Um because he said, Oh, I do the same thing and, and so it, it it's an issue because I think sometimes if you could just focus in long enough, you can get 
stuff done just as fast. Yeah, I have trouble with focusing. And, and it's one of those things I was talking to somebody yesterday about it is like, you know, I've got this list of things that I need to get done. And then all of a sudden it's huge. And all I want to do is try to do one or two things. And I end up not doing anything because there's just too many things to do. So focus is tough for me, I think, um, especially when we have employees coming in, interns that need things. So, yeah, that's one of my faults, too, for sure. Absolutely. I think everybody we've talked to on the show, that's very common. <laughs> All right, let's talk about work-life balance. And, and um, I really don't like that term necessarily just because if we really love what you do, and, and I can see that you do, um, is that work is you know what energizes you. Work is what gets you up in the morning. And, and you're really you know passionate about what you can do, Andrea, and you can help people. And I know that gets you going. But we can't be working all the time. There's got to be some time when we spend with our family and, and we do things for us. How do you do that? Yeah, I'm so much better at it these days. Um, yeah, and and I guess it's just because Richard and I together have been entrepreneurs for so long. Um, the, the first couple years, and I, I guess this is just normal. I mean, the first couple years, you really are just obsessed. And we found that we would work all day long. And then if we went out to dinner, we would talk about the business all night long. <laughs> and at some point, we looked at each other and we said, okay, starting in five minutes, we're going to end this conversation. And no, we're not talking about the business anymore. I mean, you, you literally have to do that. Um, now it becomes... Uh, it's so fluid and because we work from our home and it's, I think it's different when you kind of have to go to the office and, and you have, um, you know, a group of employees and people kind of counting on you. I, I think it can be different, but working as entrepreneurs from our home office, you know, it's, um, it's very fluid. You know, you, we work a little and we, we take a break and go to the gym. We come back, we work a little. And so it's kind of this nice flow where it's kind of, it's really on and off and on and off, but it's, for us, the work-life balance it is that we enjoy it so much, it doesn't even feel like work. Sure. So it just kind of um, is very easy for us now to, to manage that and to have that balance because it just kind of flows so easily back and forth. So a lot of people listening might go, man, I don't know if I could work with my spouse 24 um, seven. And so we, we had some friends who run a digital firm here in town and they, it's a husband and wife team and they have employees and they used to share an office, the husband and wife did. And then that didn't last very long. <laughs> so they got two separate offices, which worked out really well. How are you guys able to make that work? And was that tough or did it just kind of work? That that's probably a great idea, um, actually. For for I mean, if you could do that, it probably is a smart idea. Um, it was a struggle in the beginning, yeah. and part of it was that um, Richard, who is he he's he's older than me, and he's had a lot more business experience, and he even was an entrepreneur for a short time before. Um, you know, he went back into the corporate world, and then so so he had a lot more vision and 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 more control over things. And I was coming into this and, and I had, I had to just completely learn everything. So oftentimes it was, it kind of turned into this, you know, um, employer, um, or, or or boss employee relationship, right? Sorry, I'm late. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that was tough. And eventually, eventually we learned that, um, it, what it comes down to is you have to decide how much control both people have to exert on everything. And eventually you just have to give up control of different things. And so we decided what he would control, what I would control. And a lot of times what it was is that you just, you have to, um, 
give up that control and realize that whatever you would do differently, like if say it was some kind of proposal for business, you know, I would, I would type it up and I would say, okay, go through it. And he would go through it and change half of the things in the proposal. And then we realized it wasn't necessarily any better. It was just different. And so did that necessarily really matter? Right. And that was the hard thing is a lot of those changes don't and the and the um, you know having your hands in everything um, as you know that's a hard thing for a business owner to give up but you have to learn to do it yeah so let's talk about employees a little bit I know you guys don't have do you have any employees right now uh, we did have an employee yeah. here in Florida for about three years and she um, well she's now on uh, about ready to ha- have her second child cool. so at the at the moment we don't we, we don't have a full-time employee but we have um contractors yep. uh, certainly people that you know help with the website and different things so i have some a little experience with that certainly not with a group of employees so i guess what i want to ask though is is so we get this book and we want to we're like oh my gosh this is great as a ceo i could see how i could put this into play right now but then how do I, or give me some things that I, cause I think, and correct me, I'm wrong, but I think that even if my employees are not salespeople, cause some of them are just workers and they're, you know, we don't expect them to do sales. But to me, there's a lot of things in, in, in what you guys teach that can be used for not just sales and business. Correct. Oh, absolutely. And so how do I bring and how do I give, what should I give to my employees? Not, you know, not physical copies, but what are some little tidbits I can give them to just, say, hey, you know, here's this and, and, and just for no in this, you know, in this regards is really going to help you with just about everything that you're doing. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think helping your employees see um, how they um, contribute to the ultimate vision is really huge. Yeah. And that's what we try to do with um, with Katie is kind of, you know, it's easy to give someone um, tasks. And I read this and I can't even remember where I read this, but to, um, and, and Katie was very task driven. Like she just wanted to be told what to do. But I always wanted to make sure that she understood where those tasks fit into the ultimate goal and vision of kind of what we were trying to build. Yeah, what is because, that doing for the, you know, what it, the, yeah, what is that getting us as a company and where is it going to take us two years from now? Exactly. Exactly. Um, but also too, is just teaching, um, you know, teaching the go for no strategy, I think to people so that they understand that, um, that they should use their courage to speak up, ask for things, don't make assumptions, don't assume that, you know, somebody's going to say no. I, I think that's really important. Um, so that they're participating and not just kind of passive pawns in, in fulfilling tasks. Yeah. And I think we've had that with our employees too, where they, you know, and we're really easy to come to with things, but I think that they just don't want to bother us sometimes. And it's like, eh, you know, they're too busy. They don't want to hear about this or they don't want to hear this idea. Um, but to give them that, cause who knows, I mean, who knows when a, a brilliant idea is going to come across, but if you don't ever hear it or if somebody's afraid to not afraid, but you know what I mean? Just, they don't want to bring yes. it up. Yeah. Yeah. I like Absolutely. that a lot. Hmm. Hey everybody, this week's episode is also sponsored by Freshwater Apparel. Check out freshwaterapparel.com, that's freshwaterapparel.com, and check out their spring collection of t-shirts, and soon beanies are going to be on the way. We love these guys over at Freshwater. It's a Midwest clothing company, and they make all their products in Lansing, Michigan, and the shirts are 100% 
made in America. So you can't beat that. So if you love freshwater like we do here at Michigan Creative, you should definitely check out their site. Lots more coming, but right now they have t-shirts and tanks for both men and women. Like I said before, beanies are coming, stickers, all that stuff. So check out freshwaterapparel.com and get fresh. Back to the show. All right, so I was a teacher for a long time, so I was the cheesy one that gave out a bunch of quotes to inspire my students, and I think they liked it, but anyway, <laughs> give, a, give us a favorite quote of yours that you like. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, has to do with persistence, and um, the quote is from a uh, um, woman named Marib- Maribel Morgan, and the quote is, persistence is the twin sister of excellence. One is a matter of quality, the other a matter of time. And I'm a big fan of um, understanding and tapping into the power of persistence. And I think for businesses, too, you, you, most people want it all now. And most of the time, building a business, as, as in my experience, takes far longer than you would think it would. Oh, yeah. um, everything takes far longer to happen, right? And so it's just having that. It's not getting distracted. Um, it's not taking those left turns and moving off focus. It's really you know, tapping into that power of persistence. So that's why I love that quote, because everybody wants excellence in their business. Um, well, that is a, having a quality product, a quality service, but also it's having that persistence. Yeah, and that sales process, what I was really eye-opening with our business is the sales process is sometimes very long. And I yes. think, you know, when you don't hear from somebody, you just start to assume that they're not interested anymore. And we've had that happen and where all of a sudden they just call and they're like, yep, we're ready to go. We're like, wait, what? We thought you didn't like us. <laughs> and uh, it's a terrible habit to get into. But how do you be, and I saw one of your videos on there, how do we just keep like ourselves top in mind without bothering them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, like, hey, it's always, me again. Hey, it's me again. Yes, hey, it's me again. It, hey, it's me again. Exactly. And I think there's a couple keys to doing that. Um, first of all, you are completely right. You have to know your buyer's sales cycle. That's yeah. that's big. And for unless someone's in a lot of distress or a lot of pain in their business, like gosh, we, um, for you guys, like somebody, we need marketing, we need help with our digital strategy. You know, we're just completely lost unless they're just swimming and dying. Um, a lot of times it's kind of a, a, a nice to do, but not a must do. And so it's helping people right. see the value in what you, what you do. And so I think if you can peek back in and again, this comes back to understanding the sales cycle. So you can't go for three months. Um, but on the other hand, I think every six weeks, um, offering something of value and saying, Hey, you know, here's something that you might want to think about. I know you're probably still deciding you've probably got fires you're putting out. You know, it's just that, that, that positive persistence. When I say positive, it's just always adding a little tidbit of value so that when they are ready to make the decision, they'll go with you or at least tell you no, and then you can take them off your list. But unless you hear that no, unless somebody says, hey, you've been contacting me for a year and a half, just take me off your list, then our philosophy is just keep contacting them. Yeah. I wish more people would do that. I don't know if you find this with your business owners. One of the things that frustrates me the most is sometimes when when businesses don't want to go with you, I'd wish they would just call or send an email that says, look, man, we don't really think your services are are a good fit for us. We're not going with you. But what typically happens, not typically, but about a couple times anyway, it'll happen where they just won't respond. Right, Brian, you're absolutely right. And part of that- 
Yeah. And part of that is because as much as people don't like to hear no, they don't like to be rejected. They don't like to reject either. Uh, They don't want, you know, they don't want to tell people no, they don't want to have to be put in that position. So my advice to anybody who tells me that is to go ahead and force the issue and to say, um, and, and you can do that in a couple different ways, whether you want to send an email or leave a voicemail and say, hey, we've reached out to you, you know, over the last uh, two months since our meeting and um, we haven't heard from you. So we're going to assume that um, we're, and we're going to go ahead and take you, you know, off of our list right now. And, um, but we will touch back with you in six months just to see if anything's changed. Or you can be even stronger and say, could you please let us know we, you're, you're, you know, we're currently working with several proposals and we'd love to, if it's a no, please, by all means, just let us know so we can go ahead and take you out of um, yeah. you know, consideration for, we, we've blocked off some time. I mean, however you can do that so that you, you give them permission to tell you no. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to send an email that after, you know, four emails that I didn't hear back, like just put a Y if you're still interested and an N if you're not, <laughs> right? and that's all I need. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, yeah. But I get it. You know, it was an interesting, uh, yesterday we, uh, Melissa, my COO, and we took an intern with us too, to, it wasn't really a pitch. It was sort of a introductory meeting to offer our video services to a company that, a marketing company that doesn't do that. And it was just, you know, we mutual, we wanted to meet and talk and, you know, it mm-hmm. turned into, uh, uh, an interview really of us, which, you know, was great. I mean, it was awesome. Wow. And it, it was like, I was applying for a job and I think it went really well. And the intern was glad that he got to see it. And then I think the, the next thing, you know, right after we left, I told him, I said, the most important thing at this point is, is we've got to follow up in the right way, right away. Because immediately after we walked out of that conference room, it was an hour meeting mm-hmm. at people's phones were ringing voicemails got to be checked. I've got to go pick up the kid, you know? So immediately no matter how great that pitch meeting went or how great we were, the second we walked out the door, you know, that that's forgotten because that's not top of mind. There was nothing in there that they needed. So follow up is really, really key. Absolutely. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yes. So let's talk about who you would like to have dinner with any business owner. Who would it be and why? Yeah, this was really a hard one for me. Yeah, it's hard. Somebody asked uh, me two days ago on a podcast and I was not ready. It was terrible. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I love the show. Um, I love this show shark tank. Mm -hmm. And so I would probably have dinner with any one of them, but if I had to pick one person, I'd probably be Mark Cuban because I, he, I find him pretty interesting and, uh, I would love to kind of see his take on where technology is going and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I think, um, that that's probably one of the things we started our business in 1998 where we were, I mean, the internet was still fairly new. People had, you know, I mean, I designed our first website, um, had the little swirly mailbox gif and everything. Um, the AOL dial up. I mean, it was like, I always joke that dinosaurs were roaming the planet. Well, we were shooting with, we were shooting on videotape then big giant videotapes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So everything was so, so different. And there's some things that I wish I would have kind of paid closer attention to even back then, like, you know, okay, this new site called YouTube and, and different things and and gotten more integrated earlier. So that, that's the kind of stuff I would love to know about. What's coming. Yes. Yeah, I know. It's fascinating. And the way that technology is moving at the rate it is today. I mean, this seems like there's a new especially with video, but there seems like there's a new social media channel out there every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. New platform every day. So besides 
go for no. <laughs> Give us a business book we should read. More than oh, the first yeah. 20 pages. More than the first 20 pages, because that's typically what we do. <laughs> uh, well, this one is um, it's kind of a business slash self-improvement um, personal development book, and it's called The Four Agreements. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yes, yeah, so, so powerful and such a good companion to go for no, because um, it talks about two of, I think, the biggest issues that have to do with, you know, really executing on go for no, two of the agreements being... Um, uh, don't uh, don't take things personally and don't make assumptions. And when you can learn h- how to not do those things, um, it can be really powerful in your life and your business. Yeah, I'm glad you um, reminded me. I, I've read that book several times years ago, and I used to give it out to my students. And I think that would be just a great book to give out to my staff because it's very simple, it's short, and it's really easy to put in practice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great book. Thanks for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. What, give us a technology or app right now that you're using in your business that you cannot live without. Uh, my favorite thing right now is PicMonkey. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I love PicMonkey because I actually create, it's a fun tool to create graphics that is so incredibly easy. It can, I mean, you have you can, literally can have almost no skill and it's but I find it so much fun and I like to create graphics that are shareable um, with go for no quotes and go for no reminders and I'm actually doing it for our um, paranormal suspense series as well creating funny funny interesting things um, so you can import a graphic if you want like a little picture of a skeleton holding up a sign yeah <laughs> and then you know type into it it's it's the easiest i am not um, an adobe photoshop person sure. in any way this thing is just a three-year-old could use this yeah and i think a lot of business owners especially if they're solo or uh, entrepreneurs is that that getting into adobe photoshop is not is not easy and it takes time and really all we need is little graphics that we can use on social media and on our website so yeah pick monkey's great yeah i remember taking a class um it wasn't photoshop it was the slightly more complicated one, Adobe. Um, InDesign? Yes. Yeah. And I took a one-day introductory class, and the one thing that I learned um, was that I was going to outsource anything that had to do with Adobe <laughs> for the rest of my business <laughs> That's right. life. I am not doing that. I am not doing this. That's what I learned, so it was great. All right, before we get to the last question, um, how do you best get in touch with you, and what's the best way for us to go for no? Well, I would say go to gofornow.com. We have a lot of fun things people can do. We've got a blog so you can read all of the, you know, the, the fundamental ideas and strategies are really all laid out um, along the blog. We've got a quiz called the No Quotient. You can see um, 20 question fairly non-scientific quiz, but you can get an idea of where you fall in terms of your ability, willingness, wantingness to increase your failure rate to be more successful. We call that the no quotient. So that's yep. a fun thing that you can do. Um, so go for no.com. All right. Last question. That's a big one. So what do you think, Andrea, and what do you hope your legacy will be? I love that question. And I really hope that my legacy is someone who helped other people uh, pursue their passions and the things that they thought were not possible and not attainable until they realized that failure was okay, until they gave themselves permission to fail so that they could be more successful and that, that they were able to pursue those things. Um, that's really my legacy is, is I never want anyone to stop what they're doing because they just think that 
you know, the rejection is too powerful or the fear of failure is too powerful. So I hope my legacy is a lot of people achieving their goals and dreams or at least pursuing them. At least, you know, the pursuit is so, so important to me. Um, at least pursuing them without, you know, letting those fears sabotage them. Yeah, I love that. And I think, I think that little, I mean, could really make a big difference in a lot of, in a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I always um, tell people and I, I think about is sometimes we're, we're afraid to be great as well. Because if we are, what's that mean? Like people, you know, can we be great? And what if we aren't? What if, what if all of a sudden that we're, we're not great? What's that mean? Yes, you're so right. Because if you don't pursue that, you always have the, the you, you, you never know the answer to that question. And so it's kind of almost easier to think, well, I, I, I don't know, because I never was able to try it. But yeah. yeah, when you do try it, you find out. And being great is, is, is I think, worrisome for some people, because it's a lot of work to continue mm-hmm. to be great. <laughs> So Andrea, thank you so much. Um, really enjoyed this. I'm going to definitely get the book suggested to all of our staff. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be on our show this morning and um, just really learned a lot today. So thank you very much. Absolutely, Brian. My pleasure. That was Andrea Waltz, keynote speaker, author of the best-selling book, Go For No. Check it out. Here's what I want you guys to do today. Go to her website, fill out the, the uh, little quiz that she has. And then today, as you're listening to this, make one decision to take an opportunity and be okay with getting no, even search for it today. So try it, see how it goes. Doesn't matter if it's personal or if it's in business, but I want you to try it and I want you to tell us and tell Andrea how it went. She would love to hear that. So thanks everybody and um, I'm Brian Town with The Business Machine and remember, a great leader makes everyone around him or her better than they are. Thanks guys, we'll see you next time.